You guys ready to chop it up? conversation tonight. It's going to be amazing. Oh my gosh. And firstly, I just want to thank all our supporters, all our listeners. You guys, you guys are pushing me to be better, to make sure we book the best guests um, in all of man, mankind. So I just want to thank you guys so much for your support. And we actually have a contest winner. So congratulations. I got my guest. He's already smiling. I see him smiling. <laughs> <laughs> You said all oh, of mankind. That's that. That's like a tough. That's a tough that's act a, to follow. I know that's a tough <laughs> act to follow. Yes. <laughs> well, again, welcome back to Chop It Up, you guys. It's the home of unfiltered conversation, organic. We speak about lifestyle, you know, wellness, and all that. So I'm so happy you guys are supporting us and welcome back tonight. We have a great conversation, as you guys know. This new season is all about empowerment. Empowerment in voting empowerment in leadership and certainly tonight we are talking about empowerment in terms of financial empowerment which we need to talk about especially within communities of color so of course i got the man for the job you guys i got y'all come on now i got y'all allow me to introduce the amazing the incredible greg huh. bishop <laughs> greg bishop has a name for himself investing in low to moderate income communities, growing the capacity of small and medium-sized enterprising, and building a resilient technology infrastructure for media companies. Mr. Bishop has over 13 years of government experience serving under Mayor Michael Bloomberg and Bill de Blasio. From 2015 to 2020, he served as the commissioner of the New York Department of Small Business Services, SBS, they're also known as SBS, where he has charged, where he has been in charge of running a dynamic city agency. During his tenure, he connected small businesses to over, you guys listen to this, to over 200 million in capital. I mean, I'm, we need bomb drops for this. 200 million in capital, certified a record 9,000 minority and women business enterprises connected over a hundred thousand New Yorkers, a hundred thousand, one hundred thousand New Yorkers to good paying jobs and invested over 10 million in capacity, building programs across the five boroughs. Currently, he is the executive director of the Social Justice Fund, an initiative funded by Joe and Clara Sai Foundation. The Social Justice centers its work around racial injustice and economic mobility for Black and Indigenous people of color right here in the Brooklyn area. BK. Mr. Bishop, yes. <laughs> welcome to Chop It Up. How are you? I'm great. 
Thanks. Thanks for having me. I, I, I don't know if I could pay you for all the, the, the kind <laughs> words that you just said. I'm, I'm pulling out my checkbook right now and I'm like, which, you better. <laughs> it's like, which you account better. am I going to write this check from? <laughs> write it out to chop it up. <laughs> no, thank, thank no, you for but having me. You're and, welcome. And it's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Thank you so much. I, you know, as I'm researching your background, it's so amazing because, and it's so full circle. I wanted to share this with you because I am in New York and I do have a small business. And a few years ago, uh, when I first started, I really wanted to get it cracking. Like I wanted to get those type of contracts. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> right. Yes. So I'm, I'm the person like, if I don't know where the information is, I'm going to go out and seek it. Like that's, that's literally how I've been through college, high school. It's crazy. But nonetheless, so I um, visited the SBS um, location in Manhattan and I was asking questions. I was like, who do I need to speak to? Because I, I need to be active. And, um, but I didn't get to meet you at that time. You were super busy, um, yeah. but it's, it's really full circle now that you're on this platform that I created. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, Boss. <laughs> I just, I, I just love your drive and, and, and energy. And, and, you know, a lot of people don't understand entrepreneurship. Uh, a lot of the, the, the secret ingredient is what you just talked about, right? It's determination. It's, you know, it's putting in the effort to do the research. Um, it's, you know, not taking no for an answer, right? It's, it's literally, you know, if someone say, if a door closes, okay, well, let me get to the next door and figure out how I could, you know, uh, so, so definitely kudos to you for, for all the work that, that you're doing and for having this platform, right? You know, one of the reasons why I thought it would be great for me to be on here is because I know there's different ways of connecting to our community. Uh, you have a viewership, uh, a listenership that appreciates the, the rawness and the realness of this conversation. Um, yes. and, and therefore, it's important for me to be here to talk about the work that we're doing with the Social Justice Fund uh, to empower our Black businesses and our BIPOC businesses, because that is, you know, information, I'm glad you said it, information is one of those things that uh, when you are, especially in our community, um, we may not know certain things. And when I was commissioner, that was one of the things I was adamant about in terms of like, how can we get to the communities that really need our services? Um, because most of these services are at no cost, right? And, you know, so we tried different ways of getting, you know, obviously you, you do the normal, like the, the papers, right? The, the Daily News, the New York Times, et cetera. Uh, but then you do the, like, you do a podcast, right? You do the Breakfast Club. You do like other ways of like really connecting to the community. So, so great job. Thank you so much. No, that's so amazing. And that's a really good segue into our conversation about connecting entrepreneurs to resources, to investors, to lenders, because that's big right now, especially with the movement uh, from last year to 2020 and we're coming out of the pandemic. So I kind of wanted to ask you with that in terms of, before we jump right into it, who is Greg Bishop? Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, you know, I was, you know, actually, to, to, be, to be honest with you, Greg Bishop, who is Greg Bishop? Uh, I'm an immigrant. Uh, so I always, I, I picture myself like the 17 year old Greg Bishop that grew up in, on, in East Flatbush, right? Um, you know, we have all the similar stories. You know, my mom came up here, um, you know, left me with my grandmother. Uh, so that I know there's a lot of individuals who have the same stories, right? Your parents left you with an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent, uh, came to this country for what? The opportunity. Right, it's all about opportunity. 
Um, and in my, in my case, I was blessed, right? That my mom became a nurse. Uh, you know, she was a nanny for a while while she put herself to school. But uh, when she graduated from New York City Tech, CUNY is also very important to this conversation. Uh, she right. became a nurse um, and worked at Downstate for over 30 something years. But during that time, you know, she worked two jobs um, downstate in a, a nursing home to put me through school. Um, and I was, I was fortunate enough, uh, I went to a private school uh, in elementary and middle school, but then I went to Brooklyn Tech uh, for high school. So, so I am, I, I am a, um, the person you see here today and the resume that you re read off uh, is a product of some hardworking, uh, strong black women, right? Because I will say that my grandmother uh, was an entrepreneur um, and she built the first concrete house in our neighborhood, right? In our village. And if you're from the Caribbean, you understand like wealth is determined by like what materials your homes are made of, right? Um, and, and so when we had our concrete house, that was, a, oh, and indoor plumbing, right? So oh, oh, like, that was rich, rich. <laughs> you know, we didn't have the latrine, you know what I mean? Like we oh, had no, indoor plumbing. You know? So I was styling when I was a kid, you know? So I mean, we didn't have a phone, we didn't have a TV, but we definitely had indoor plumbing. So so I am a product of, of you know, um, for, of strong black women. Um, you know, I am a person who is very dedicated to giving back because I recognize the, the um, you know, the privilege that I had and, but for the grace of God, right? That yes. I had the opportunity and I will keep on coming back to that word, the opportunity, because many times when we talk about economic mobility and that's some of the work that we're doing with the social justice fund, it's all about opportunity. And, and when you think about this country and you think about the opportunities that were afforded to some people, Unfortunately, we, has, we have systems that actually robbed specific groups from that opportunity. Uh, and I will talk about systemic racism and how it impacted the black community, right? Uh, when you think about like Seneca Village, um, and yes. for those who don't know about Seneca Village, you know, when you go to Central Park, like part of Central Park was a thriving black community, right? Can you imagine if that black community was still around now with the real estate values that it is, like literally that family and the generational wealth that was gonna be created from the individuals that own that land, uh, we would have have, we probably would have multimillionaires in New York City, right? Mm. And when you think about, you know, multimillionaires who are coming from, you know, sort of the same communities that we're coming from, they're reinvesting, right? They're mentoring. They're doing a number of things, right? When you think about our interstate system, you could look at Robert Moses, and I would encourage your readers to be civically engaged by reading The Power Broker. You know, Robert Moses built, you know, the BQE, the Gowanus Expressway, you know, all these highways that we drive on, but they were Black communities that were there before, right? That had to be demolished. Uh, and, and this is a story that's, that's prevalent around, you know, the nation. And, and what's interesting is you hear these conversations, and I know we're not talking about like, you know, critical race theory, but you you hear these conversations about, you know, no one about a, a movement to stop teaching this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And and I saw a, a, a it's actually a meme recently where literally, you know, you have individuals who there's a generation who tried to stop us from going to school. Their kids are now trying to stop like the education system from saying your parents tried to stop us from going to school, right? That's really what's happening right now. 
You know, so we have to be really aware of what's happening. And, and so some of the work that we're doing is really focus on, you know, changing that systemic, those systemic challenges. Uh, so one of the things we did was create the Brooklyn Accelerate Fund. Um, and that is a fund that's focused on helping Black-owned, BIPOC-owned businesses uh, uh, through the pandemic, right? So we know that, you know, you know this, uh, you know, prior to the pandemic, Black businesses were, uh, were literally hurting, right? Yes. Either through gentrification, high cost of rent, uh, a number of things. And, and we wanted to make sure that the pandemic didn't wipe out, <laughs> like, the, the Black-owned businesses that even survived that. And so we created this loan program where you can borrow up to $100,000. Um, literally, all you have to do is prove that you are viable in 2019. Uh, we want to make sure you don't have a huge amount of debt that you can service the loan. Uh, and then someone from the community, whether it's a pastor or iman, uh, will vouch for your character, right? We're not asking for collateral. We're not asking for a guarantor. And those two things are systemic issues, barriers that prevent individuals from getting the capital that they need. That's amazing. That's amazing. And that's exactly what we need to hear, especially as we're talking about financial empowerment. So talk more about that. What are some steps that a business you know, owner or a young entrepreneur can do to get ready to accept something like from a lender such as yourself? Yeah. What are some steps or preparation so I think that, you know, the major thing right now is, and, and we're, we're, we're right now we're focused on businesses that were in existence that were impacted by COVID, but we okay. are part of the work that I'm doing. And, you know, in soon in, in quarter one of 2022, you're going to hear more from us in terms of how do we help that young entrepreneur? How do we help that person that has a business plan and wants to start a business? You know, I'm sure your listeners understand like the work that you have done in terms of starting your business, um, the, ca the, 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 the capital that you had to put, most business owners, and especially in communities of color, you're bootstrapping your business, right? There's no aunt, there's no uncle, there's no grandmother, there's no grandfather that's just gonna lend you $50,000, right? Um, and if they do, it's like, you better not lose that money because I worked really hard for that, right? Um, I took that out of my susu. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, oh, I'm glad you said that because I'll talk a little bit about the program, but literally, you know, what typically happens is you use a credit card, right? Yeah. You use savings, right? And, and what, what people don't realize, especially, you know, it, when you look at like some of the challenges, black women have the most student loan debt and therefore they have the biggest problem in actually getting the capital that they need, right? Um, and, and so what we are doing is trying to figure out like how to help new entrepreneurs, but for the existing program, you have to be in business prior to the pandemic. Um, and literally what we're doing, and it's a loan program because we want to make sure that this money, it's a $2.5 million investment uh, out of like literally the social justice fund is a $50 million commitment over the next 10 years to address racial justice and economic mobility issues in Brooklyn. And, and so the first out of the gate was how do we help businesses uh, with that's impacted by COVID and what individuals they can go to bksjf.org. So that's Brooklyn Social Justice Fund. So bksjf.org. Uh, they can click on the link for the Brooklyn Accelerate Loan Program and fill out the information. And what, what it is, is literally you can borrow up to uh, $100,000. So 
up to 15,000 is a 0% interest, uh, up to from 15,000 to 100,000 is a 2% interest rate. So that's even cheaper than the federal government and their emergency programs. Um, and we have three-year terms. In certain cases, we can go a little bit more, but it's, it's usually three-year terms. And, and literally what we're doing is we're trying to help businesses that can't get capital from nowhere else. Because what we're trying to do is disrupt the, the, the financial markets by saying like, look, you're evaluating risk using some criteria that have embedded systemic racism in it, right? You, in order to evaluate risk, you wanna see collateral, you wanna see uh, guarantor. Well, guess what? Because of redlining, a lot of us couldn't own property, right? And that's where the collateral comes from because of what I just talked about in terms of when you talk about, you know, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Greenwood, you know, you talk about Seneca Village, you know, there are so many things that impacted our ability to actually have wealth through uh, owning property. Um, so because you're asking for that, what you're doing is you're perpetrating that like systemic racism. So we're pushing the boundaries on how do you evaluate risk? And what we're saying is, wait a minute, the community can actually evaluate risk for you. Because if you have a pastor, an imam, that says like, I know Greg Bishop, and I know his business, and I know his character, and I will tell you that he will repay this loan. Guaranteed, I will probably pay that loan faster than, than, than Fannie, like, like Fannie Mae or any of the others because it's my pastor, right? right? I don't want to, you know. And so we also wanted, so what we're testing is community accountability and how that plays into the repayment terms, right? So if you have a credit score, basically what we're saying is if you have a, a character reference from someone that you trust, someone that trusts you, that's the equivalent of having an 800 credit score. The other thing we're doing is actually uh, the reason why we decided to make it a loan is because we want to keep that money circulating within the community. So when you mentioned SUSU, that's exactly what we're trying to do. So when I repaid a loan, I now can vouch for someone else and they can get access to that money, right? And that money just keeps recirculating and recirculating, right? And so we wanna make sure that the community supports the businesses that are getting our loans because that's how they're going to get, increase their sales and that's how they're gonna be able to um, you know, uh, repay. And we will just continue recirculating and recirculating and recirculating. Um, so that's the innovation that, that we're building out and that's what we will continue to do in everything, you know, when we're looking at capital access capital for new entrepreneurs, we're going to try to be innovative. When we look at on their racial justice, and we look at our education system, our criminal justice system, our healthcare system, we are going to try to disrupt systems to make real impact, and therefore, you know, using the 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 influence that that Clara Lusai has, she's one of the co-owners of the Nets Liberty, uh, to then say, hey. This is what we did in Brooklyn. So, you know, federal government, you know, other other NBA owners, if you want to make an impact in your community, here is how you can do it. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. I hope you guys are taking notes. I'm taking notes, Mr. Bishop. Like <laughs> so far, I heard credibility, which is a big factor. Mm -hmm. I heard investment up to a hundred thousand at a two percent rate, interest mm -hmm. rate. I heard um, definitely being in business prior to the pandemic, because we have a lot of folks, as you know, that all of a sudden they in business, you know. Yeah, that's not, that's not, and guess what? They're all about to go to jail. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> that's a, the one thing about government is they never forget. So, oh, you yes. know, 10 years from now, we're going to be hearing, 
about people who and it's happening we're hearing on the news celebrities I know. I know. influencers like everybody is canceled yeah. it's unfortunate <laughs> it's unfortunate it because now the system if another pandemic happens there's going to be tighter controls and it's going to yes. affect who you right you. the small business owner who really really desperately need the cash but what we're also saying though is take that lesson though if you notice capital is just flowing freely right yes there wasn't really much you know regulations and, right and you you could tell that there are people who desperately needed it got it and actually did really well so some of the work that we're doing in terms of measuring and evaluating saying like hey sba maybe you should actually commit what it's you know a billion dollars you know five billion dollars i mean these numbers sound large but when you're talking about an entire country it's actually pretty small to encourage entrepreneurship and the reason why you should do that is when people are actually building their businesses right what are they doing small businesses hire within their communities right that's right so if i start a business in e flatbush i'm probably going to hire a kid greg bishop who's 17 to run to actually do odds and ends in my business guess what now greg bishop is off the street right now i'm busy with this business that I'm working in, and I feel good because I'm earning an income and I'm getting the experience and exposure to then maybe I can be an entrepreneur, right? So that changes. So there's another conversation that needs to happen instead of spending a billion dollars with the NYPD to fight crime, maybe we spend a billion dollars to encourage entrepreneurship to prevent crime, right? Yes. That is like sort of like when you talk about disrupting the systems, that's mm -hmm. what we're trying to do. That is amazing. I love how you said that. It's reevaluating the money and putting it somewhere else. Right. Um, are you pro defund the police or are you like on the borderline? So here's here's what I'll say, right? If if you are a consumer, you're not going to shop in an area that's not safe, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so certainly we need safety. And I grew up in New York City, but in the 80s, I, re I remember New York City in the 80s, right? you couldn't actually, you know, ride the subway without riding in the middle of a car, right? The reason why the guardian angels are exists was because the police department couldn't keep up with the crime, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Uh, so, so business need safety. What I am about is just a reevaluation of priorities, right? So when you look at in New York City, right? And I always put out the numbers, the agency that's responsible for helping entrepreneurs build their businesses uh, the agency that was responsible for training people to find jobs, right, to actually employ them, their budget is about $100 million, right? Mm. The agency that's responsible for safety and security, their budget is $6 billion, right? Wow. So, so if you notice the disparity there, right? Yes. So why are we yeah. not encouraging more entrepreneurs to start businesses, right? Because if you have those businesses in communities, uh, underserved communities, they're going to employ naturally the young people in those businesses, right? And young people need something to keep them busy, right? And I was a, I was a, I was a summer youth kid, right? So that was one of my first jobs that gave me the exposure. Uh, my first, my outside of summer youth, my first job was at the Brooklyn Public Library. That's an anchor institution, and and so and and so those are the things that we need to be doing in terms of encouraging. Uh, you know, businesses to grow in the city. Therefore, you don't need to worry about investing so much with the NYPD or safety 
because you've got so much activity happening in terms of new businesses starting, in terms of workforce, in terms of people getting hired, um, in terms of like, if you have all these new businesses, guess what, during the summer, all these kids have places to go, right? In terms of some of you, right? So that is my answer, which is a long way of saying that I'm all about prioritizing uh, the money where you can use it most effectively. Yes. No, I love that. And it's funny you said that. Well, it's thought provoking that you said that because the guests prior to our conversation, we were talking about that, that there are a certain amount of people at the top that really controls some of the issues that pertain to, you know, like gang, gang violence, gun violence, some of the issues that's plaguing us in the community. And they know that it works in their favor if they sit back and do nothing. Mm. But here they have you who might be a part of the 1% or a percentage, a minute percentage that actually wants to see things change and is actively making a change and a difference. So that's amazing. There's a lot of folks out there who are trying to disrupt the system, right? And yes. I think your listeners need to know um, that when we talk about the system, we're talking about systemic issues. And, yes. and I would encourage your listeners to, to, to be a student of history, right? If you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it, right? And I, I always encourage people, like, literally understand how this nation was built, understand some of the challenges that this nation has. I think this nation needs to have a reckoning in terms of, like, understanding, like, okay, this is what we did, right? There was slavery, right? Then there was sharecropping, right? Then there was Jim Crow, right? <laughs> and, like, there's civil rights. So, literally, when we think about the history of this country, you know, you can go back to the 70s. There are people who are still alive who remember, I could not go here because I was black, right? That is the fundamental problem that we have is that we don't want to address our history to then look forward to our future, right? And so there, but there are people, uh, there are either individual, uh, you know, philanthropic, you know, individuals like Clara Usai, uh, who's very big on social justice, uh, there are foundations that are focused on disrupting the system and, and, and there are elected officials, right? So you cannot operate in a vacuum. You have to be educated. And, to, and we started this conversation when you were talking about doing your research. You've got to do your research, right? Absolutely. It's great as an entrepreneur for you to say, I want to start a business, but do your research in terms of like what programs are available, what type of business should I start, what support do I have? How am I going to get the community to support it? Um, and then, you know, and then there's going to be programs like us and we work through the Brooklyn Chamber, but and they provide you a whole bunch of other uh, supports. Awesome. Before you run off really quickly, because yep. we are now part of the Daily, Daily Gospel Network, how, how imperative has your faith been in balancing your life and your career? How imperative... Oh. Has your faith been in balance? But I tell you, it has been absolutely imperative. Uh, and I always say that I am blessed, right? And I will tell you, so I grew up in the church and my mom is a pastor. Um, but I think, you know, when I talk about my blessings, um, so number one, I leave everything up to God, right? And I never say like, I made it here by myself, right? I say my steps are ordered by God, right? And God has just used people to open up doors for me. Um, and, and so... That has been number one in my life. Uh, like I, I literally leave everything up to him, which is probably why like I always seem very laid back because it's easy for me to say, you know what, God, you take care of it, 
right? And you do not believe how that just the stress just leaves, right? Because you just know, like he his will will be done. And if I'm supposed to get this opportunity, I'll get it. If not, there's something better that's waiting for me. That's amazing. We want to thank you so much. You're so thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you very much. Keep on doing the great work that you're doing. And awesome. uh, let's let's talk in in 2022 when I have a new program to 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 pitch uh, for your listeners to to really take advantage of as well. Yes. Thank you so much, Mr. Greg. It's a pleasure. Be All well. Right. Thank you. Take care. You All guys, right. make sure you follow this episode. Make sure you like and subscribe to the Chop It Up podcast. We'll see you on the next episode, you guys. Bye. Take care. Bye.